0: Can grab your Bibles then and turn to the book of Leviticus if you haven't made your way there so we're kind of cruising through the book of Leviticus let's go before the Lord once more father we ask that you'd move as you're so faithful to do um, through your word by your spirit Lord or in our hearts and in our midst Lord so we gather together to hear from you Lord and Thank you that you're so faithful to meet us right where we are today, Lord. Um, Thank you for your love and your provision, Lord. Just reveal yourself that we might grow and know you more, Lord. We thank you that your desire is to draw us so much closer than we ever could imagine, Lord. Thank you for that love. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hopefully you made your way there to Numbers chapter 11. And, you know, we really what we're doing through Leviticus is a kind of a survey. Um, You know, typically we do what's called expository preaching, which means we expound upon the verses and we go through it in order and we talk about pretty much everything. But Leviticus, we're doing a little bit more of a survey. And the reason is, is because it's a tough book to get through. It really is. And one of the reasons is uh, remember that they built this tabernacle, this place of worship where the Lord Uh, where they would meet the lord and this is about a month long in duration this book of leviticus and it's really kind of training for the priests how do you do all this stuff how do you how does a sinful uh man approach a holy god How, how does one bridge that gap And the lord showed them how they could do that how could they could approach the lord and and if and if the lord was speaking to them you know that tana hey you need to represent me and so we we have that kind of training going on if you would maybe we maybe call it training today but the lord's showing them what he required and how they would could and should minister to his people and But a lot of it is, okay, you know, we, we talk about the sacrifice and the importance or the significance of it, and then there might be 10 or 12 or 15 verses of it. Okay, cut the legs this way, put it this way, put all the parts together here, and kind of just gives them some practical, hey, this is how you're supposed to kind of do the work. And well, since we're not offering sacrifices, we kind of look at it as an overview of those things and just kind of grabbing the 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 meaning of things. And then um, when we get to about a Numbers chapter 11... Uh, then we'll start, you know, slowing down a little bit and and looking at more of the history and the detail that way. So that's really where we um, find ourselves today. Now, now, remember, we've covered the five important sacrifices. Remember the the burnt offering and the grain offering and the peace offering, which were called sweet savers. That God enjoyed that. It was fellowship. It was something that was good. You can come at any time and make those offerings to him and, and draw close it was an idea of fellowship in there or giving of your life you know those prayers sometimes you say oh lord i want to just be more lord help me here lord i want to be closer those kind of things and that's what those those, those made that way and then there was a the sin offering and the trespass offering when you blew it even you know uh unintentionally or you, you know you should have done something you shouldn't have we talked about that there was a covering for those things as well and then um, we talked about last time about uh, the priests. Well, um, you know, the the, t- the tabernacle, a place of worship was sent, set up. And then Moses anointed it, put the oil, in other words, set it in service before it, they had just made it. And now we're saying, okay, it's all made, ready to go. And then he also uh, consecrated it or said, okay, now it's dedicated. We're going to start doing this. It's 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 dedicated to you now. Um and, you know, I've done that before as a pastor. Somebody gets a new house or moves into a new house and says, hey, can you come over and, and, and just, you know, just just pray and and, and bless it. And, you know, I, I don't know everybody's heart in it, but I don't mind doing that. I do that in my own house, right? Hey, Lord, keep the enemy out or whatever was here before I lived here or whatever, you know, or whatever could be going on. You know, that we were setting this aside for your use and you use us and Use this house uh, as you see fit. And, and I think it's a good thing. Uh, you know, you can't compare it to the tabernacle where they worship God, obviously. But, you know, in that same kind of sense, I, I think that's a good thing. So he's dedicated and say, okay, it's all ready. And then the priests also, remember, they went through that dedication. Now they're ready to go. So everything's ready to roll. They got the everything built. They got the offerings down. They got the... Um, the, everything's set up now and, and and finished and consecrated set up right now it's set apart for the Lord, and now the priests are trained and, and and now they're anointed, so they've been in their seven days doing the thing we talked about last time, and now you know we're you know we're we're moving ahead here. but in chapter eleven, we're going to kind of broaden out a little bit uh, to talk about um, now the people well what what they're supposed to be doing and how the priests are supposed to help and teach the people. What, what, what God is requiring of them. And, and chapter 11 is, uh, we could obviously we could call it what's on the menu because this is what you need to eat. Um, I like this quote for J. Vernon McGee. It's, it's a, it sums that up pretty well. And if you could read it, it says, this chapter, speaking of chapter 11, is so unusual because God gives a diet, a menu for the children of Israel to follow. They are to eat certain things and they are not to eat things which God keeps off the menu. So here's the is the important question. Could the God of this vast universe be interested in what his creatures have for dinner? Could the one who ordered all of creation prepare a menu for man? This chapter gives the answer. God ha, God I'm sorry, God was and is interested in the details of the lives of his people. No detail is too minute to escape his interest and his concern. So, you know, a good thing to see here as we go through Leviticus chapter 11 is, you know, God it even cares about what we eat. Now, we don't follow um, these dietary laws, what they call today kosher. Uh, I'm sure you guys have all heard that. And kosher just really it's a, a word that means right or, or fit to eat. That's really what it is, kosher. Now, the Jews today that follow, uh, you know, Uh, we call, or orthodox, or follow the Old Testament, we could say, Um, you you know, they still follow certain dietary rules. As a matter of fact, um, if you're ever interested for, well, I don't know if you can do that much anymore. But I used to do it once in a while. Um, I used to fly a lot. And, uh, you, you know, when you start flying on a regular basis, you start learning a lot of stuff about flights and where they connect. And you start getting memorized stuff. And then you realize that you could... You know because you talk to other people that are traveling a lot on the plane and then you realize like, like when a good meal is brought out to somebody you go why oh, how'd you get that oh man you can go online and or, or call them up and and tell them what you want to eat and they'll actually put it on the plane on your flight now not anymore they don't really supply meals i guess anymore but um when i was looking up online a couple times i saw oh there's kosher meals available and i thought you know what why not i'm gonna try it you know see what it's, see what see what any difference is and there wasn't any difference except Rabbi somebody other put his little seal on there that everything was kosher, <laughs> you know. So I don't know about you, but if I buy a hot dog, what's the hot dogs you guys buy? Anything special? Are you guys Hebrew nationals like me? I love Hebrew national hot dogs. Fact I can't even eat another hot dog because once you eat a Hebrew national hot dog, it's like every other hot dog is kinda of like it's kinda of like uh, little Caesar's Pizza. <laughs> I don't know what you mean, you know, it's like kid pizza or something, you know what I mean? It's just, uh, anyway, but um, what, what they do is they have certain things that they, and they've they've added so much to the Old Testament. But anyway, God was interested, and you, none of us may ever think that, would God really be interested in what we eat? Um, but he is, and there's several reasons here, I think, that God is interested in that. One is, he limits what his people could eat for their protection? You, you know, he knew that if you eat this or stay away from this, it's going to be good for you. And also, again, don't when we go through this, his people might be separated or different from the world. Remember, even in the Old Testament, they were meant to be different or separate from other people. In other words, they don't just do what everybody else does. They don't talk everybody's times. They don't go wherever. They're just not in a weird sense, not in a you know, uh, you know, freakish kind of thing. But, you know, everybody's moving in this direction. But, you know, you're my people, so you're not going to be moving in that direction because they're moving over here and, I, and I'm moving over here. And, and and again, part of that showed in what they were eating. And then again, we know that this all points to Jesus. So the Lord protects them from all sorts of diseases by doing it. He separates them and, and then he uses them to point to him. I think one of the greatest examples in the Bible is uh, Daniel and his three friends. Remember, they get deported. <laughs> well, that's not true because they weren't from Babylon. They get uh, they get what? Exported. Exported. There you go. That's even, that's a better. They get exported. They're captured by the Babylonian army, and they bring a bunch of Jewish people back so they could teach them the Babylonian ways. And then they could, you know, when there's problems with with the Jews, they, they they oh these guys are Jews. They know everything's going on and they know us. And so they, you know, they anyway they brought those guys back there. And you remember that they didn't want to eat what everybody else was going to eat. They said, listen. Sir, uh, you know, the guy that was teaching him for the years to, in, the, in the culture, he said, you know, we don't eat, as Jewish people, we don't eat this food. How about just give us this? In his case, it was just vegetables and water, which doesn't sound too appetizing to me. Carne asada always sounds good to me. But anyway, that's... The, anyway, but the food wasn't wasn't right, and they knew it. And they set aside and said, no, we want to honor the Lord. This is what the Lord wants us to do, and God honored them, and you know how God used them. And one of the reasons was because... It was just a simple thing of what they ate and didn't eat. So, again, God uses that. Now, we're not under the law. Keep this in mind. Colossians chapter 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 in the New Testament fairly clearly say listen, you know, everything is acceptable, you know, when given thanks. So, um, I don't necessarily ask the Lord to bless a double hot fudge Sunday at Baskin Robbins down the street. I don't say, uh, I, but I ask, I give him thanks. Because, <laughs> you know, cause, you, know that's, you take it in and you wear it for a few months, if you know what I mean. And uh, But, you know, we, we 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 have these, we just, we're, we're thankful for what we have. And we don't have to have all these rules and regulations. We realize that it's all from the Lord and we just give thanks. Now, if you don't feel right about something, then the Bible's very clear, you shouldn't do it. But for the most part, you know, this Again, this is what separated them as a nation, as a people, as God was working through a single nation. We're people, as Christians, of many nations, right? So, that being said, uh, as we read through some of these things and kind of skim through, I would have no problem passing on a lot of these dishes anyway. (laughs) I wouldn't eat them anyway. But, um, you know, again, keep keep this in mind real quick before we just kind of start in chapter 11. Keep this in mind that, you know, once everybody in the nation's not eating and staying away from these foods, it wouldn't be so hard to to stay away from them because they just weren't, weren't available. Um, I, I think, Thomas, you were telling me, or somebody was telling me, I know Patrick uh, Zandwe was telling me about when they were over in Korea, they were having dog. Now, I don't know about you. Um, I don't mind eating. I would try probably pretty much everything and have tried pretty much everything. But, you know we don't miss it because it's not available around here. Now, if you're in Korea, do you, you dog, you're telling me, okay, from the street carts, I think you and Patrick were telling me your Korea experiences, but when they're in the service, but, uh, you know, we don't miss it because it's just not on the, it's just not around. We don't have it. Right. And, And if you would, these guys, you know, they just wouldn't be eating this stuff. So a lot of it, you know, would just after a period of time would just be life. So don't think of it as super restrictive in the sense that, oh man, this is available right here, but I can't eat it. You know, it was kind of like nobody had it in the whole land anyway. Nobody was eating it. so Because w- when they were doing what the Lord wanted, of course. Well, let's, let's read. <laughs> Verse 1, just look at chapter 11. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, These are the animals which you may eat among the animals that are on the earth. The animal Among the animals, whatever divides the hoofs, having a cloven hoof, and chewing the cud, you may eat. Nevertheless, you shall not... Eat among those who chew the cud or those that have cloven hoofs. The camel, uh, because it chews the cud and does not have cloven hoofs. I'm not interested in camel, I don't know about you. It's unclean to you. The rock hyrax, which is a small little animal that lives over there in that area. Because it chews the cud but does not have cloven hoofs. it's unclean to you. The hare, well... I don't know if you're eating rabbit too much, but it chews the cud, but doesn't have cloven hoofs, It's unclean. The swine, it divides a hoof and has cloven hoofs, yet it does not chew the cud. It's unclean to you, so no bacon. Okay. Uh, their flesh you shall not eat, and their carcass you shall not touch. They are unclean to you. So, uh, again, there was reasons, and we know a number of reasons why it's good to to stay away from some of those things. Um, God didn't choose to explain that to them at this time, but some uh, 4,000, 3,500 years later, we have a pretty good handle on some of those things. If they're not prepared right, they can get you sick. And God doesn't necessarily give them all those details. He just says, stay away from it, which I think is a great lesson for us. Listen, if God's forbidding something or saying, just don't do that or don't be a part of that or or, or whatever, remember, it's never to God's not the big killjoy in the sky. He loves us and he realizes that this is not good for you. I I never withhold anything that's good for you. I love you. Everything I allow happen or I say, no, this shouldn't be, whichever it is, it's only for your good because God loves us. He's not out to catch us or to trap us or to punish us because if He wanted to do that, we would all be smoked years ago. Years ago, we'd be <laughs> I don't some of us wouldn't have made it out of junior high school, you know, if that were the case. Or elementary school, we would have probably been shaky. So he's not interested in doing that. He loves us. But he does tell us sometimes, hey, stay away from that person, that thing, that gathering, that whole deal. Because it's not good for you. Don't don't even touch it. In this case, he's telling him, don't even touch it. Don't even, don't. You know, you don't want to get yourself, see how close you can get to it without doing it. You know that if we start getting close to something, I we know we're not supposed to be doing or seeing or watching or being a part of or whatever. We're going to do it. It's only a matter of time. And so God says, listen, don't do that. You may not see or even realize or understand the bad effect it could have on you, but I do. So he just tells you, just, just don't. And don't even, don't even touch In other words, stay away from it. Don't even get close to it. We could say it in that way. Well, some of the other things he does is the same thing too. Verses 9 through 11 pretty much talks about what fish and things you can eat. So verse 9 says you can eat whatever, you know, uh, that's in the water. Whatever's in the water has fins and scales, and the seas and the rivers you may eat. But all the seas or the rivers that do not have fins or scales, all that move in the water every living thing which is in the water, are an abomination to you. Uh, You should not eat them. Don't touch them, verse 11 says. Just think of them as like an abomination. Like, ah, I don't know how to describe that. Abomination is like, oh, disgusting. I don't even want to... You know, you're supposed to have the idea in the heart of, uh, this is just too... a place I don't want to go. That's the idea of an abomination there. And so pretty much he says you can eat regular fish, but, well, it rules out some seafood like a lot of us probably like. You know, there's no lobster... uh, no clam chowder, crabs, shrimp, uh, those kind of things are all kind of ruled out and and again, we know uh, from a health perspective that those things you know if not not eaten right or not prepared right it, you know it can kill you and make you sick and, and and so you know without even the knowledge we've just had in the last fifty seventy five years about stuff like that, uh, God was warning them and loving them and separating from them even though everybody else might do this or have this or eat this or be a part of that that's not what i got for you it's not what i have for you yeah they everybody else might do it and you might say well why lord why, why can't i because you're mine and sometimes that's just the answer you might going well why lord you know blah, 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 this that whatever hey because you're mine a lot of times that's just the answer from the lord you're mine and we go okay lord i you know i forgot that's the commitment i made when i asked jesus into my heart and received his love and his forgiveness by faith i became yours and 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 that was that was the deal we had i become your child and you lead and direct and and i follow and 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 you know a lot of times he just doesn't answer those why questions or we don't understand those things he's telling us you know stay away from or don't hang out with them or whatever it might be uh, and this is the way you know but why everybody else gets to do it. I, i'll just tell you you know Don't get sucked into this whole, well, let me stand on my pulpit here. Well, I'm on here anyway. (laughs) But, you know, with this whole legalization of pot in California, um, you know, just because they make it legal doesn't mean it's something we should do, right? You know, I'm just saying, I was, we got a, right here in good old Watsonville, some of the greenhouses I was just there today, pot growers. (laughs) They're in town, baby. Well, they're all around us. I've been to them in Salinas and. For work, just let me clarify that, right? <laughs> for work. You know, Moss Landing, those places down there in Salinas over here off Riverside. Um, you, you know, it, it's just, just because things are around or available, it doesn't mean that's what we should do. As You know, God says, you no, know, you're mine. Yeah, everybody else is doing that. Everybody, Yeah, you go Christmas time, everybody, New Year's is coming up, and everybody's doing this. And what? But, see, you're not everybody. You're mine. You're mine. And that when you read all this stuff, that's pretty much what God's saying. You're mine. And I know everybody else might eat this or they don't care or they're not going to wash this or do this. And you think, well, why are all these crazy kind of regulations? Because I mean, you're mine. You may not understand the, all the full blessings and benefits of, of, of following what I'm calling you to lead and what I'm telling you to, to do or not to do. That's where faith comes in. Remember that. When you read through these, this is where faith comes in. Well, everybody's eating lobster. It looks good, dipped in butter, next to that prime rib or whatever, and surf and turf. And you know, not in our day, but back in their day, right? You know, no, you're mine. But why? Because you're mine. Okay, Lord, <laughs> that should be something we should redorse about not like, oh, okay, I'm yours. <laughs> it's not. So he's telling them, he's separating them. And there's reasons for this, as I said it earlier. And then there's some birds in verses 13 through 18, they, they can't eat. Uh, I'm not really interested in eating an eagle or a vulture or a buzzard, as it says in the end of verse four, thir- 13 there. A kite, a falcon or its kind, or a raven, or an ostrich. Well, I've had ostrich before, it's actually pretty good. But uh, And any of the owls, pretty much, shorty or owl. A uh, seagull, <laughs> well, I probably wouldn't miss that dish either. Uh, the hawk, uh, and the little owl, fisher owl, screech owl, a bunch of owls. So, vultures, you don't want to eat those. Verse 19, you want to eat the stork because then where will we get the babies from? Sorry, it's just a joke. Alright, thank you. And the heron, the whoopee, I'm not interested in eating bad either. So again, stay away from certain birds they weren't supposed to eat. And then verses 20 through 24, um, basically there were some, you stay away from bugs, but there was some that you could eat. Uh, Verse 22, the locust, um, the cricket, and the grasshopper. Pretty much you can can eat, but pretty much everything else you're to stay away from. And by the way, whoever, verse 24 says, By all these you shall become unclean. Whoever touches the carcass of any of these shall be unclean until evening. Now, if you're one of those people that gets freaked out by bugs, you're probably pretty, okay, I can do that. (laughs) But the idea was, again, even down to simple bugs and certain things, you know, God says, let's just stay away from them. Just, you don't want them around. And, and again, I, I, you know, we can talk about that as we get a little bit farther into this, because we know a lot of those things carry diseases. And, you know, as we get into the mice and the rats and all these other kind of things, you know, you, don't, you 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 would work very hard as, a, as a, a person of the Old Testament to keep all that stuff away. And then we know how rats and other kind of rodents and other things just, transmitted plagues and killed people. But, you know, if you look through history, the Jewish people were spared so many of those things because of what God laid down here. Now, again, I don't think a lot of them even knew it at the time, but it's one of those things. Trust the Lord. He knows what He's doing. Okay? He may not be telling you not to eat grasshoppers and don't touch, a, you know, a firefly. Or, well, we don't know fireflies, but a ladybug or whatever. But He's saying, you know, this person... You deal with them, and they're—they're not—they're trouble for you. This is not something you want to get involved. They just—they drag you down. They make you gossip, or they this and that. You just—you need just this is a this is a kind of an unclean thing to you, and and so just stay away from it. It might be you know a a group of people, or a gathering, or a play. I don't know what it might be for us today, but you're mine, and and I and I, and I, I want you to to remember that, and then. Again if these things get on their clothes verse 25 um, if you touch those things that are on all fours if you have to there, there's a dead, uh, dead animal or, or a bug in some way and you have to move it uh, then you're considered unclean until the evening verse 28 says whoever carries such a carcass of what, any of these bigger animals or smaller ones, you shall wash your clothes and be unclean till evening. it is unclean to you. So you go through this kind of whole process if you had to touch one of these things that wasn't a clean animal or insect. So God was giving you the real picture here is that, hey, I'm serious about this. If you do this, you know, there's this kind of uncleanness or this separation. Don't think of unclean as like, you know, you forgot to take a shower, you know, today or yesterday or the day before, whatever, you know. It's just that there's this now this separation between you and God because you see, he is holy and righteous. And he said, for whatever reason, let's just take that out of the way. He said, this is something that, that's not good. And I don't want you to be around. Uh, and let's just take an insect or an animal or something that's, that's like that, a pig that dies or something. And he said, you know, I... I when you touch that, and mess around with it. It's separate. It's unclean. It's separate. It puts the distance between me and you, and I don't want that to happen. But if that does happen, there, you, you, there's a way to, to you know, to to get back into the place where you need to be. Now today, you know, we know about First John, right? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us for all unrighteousness. So we have a bad attitude on the road going over here. And somebody's driving too slow. That's usually my problem. The people in front of me is driving too slow. <laughs> and you're like, don't you have any place to go? Why are you going so slow? <laughs> That's my kind of deal, right? <laughs> why are you going so slow? And I go, what's going on here? And then, I, you know, the Lord's like, hey, okay, okay, Dylan. Oh, Lord, forgive me, right? I, I don't know why I'm such a hurry. I'm not even in a hurry, but I, I want them to go faster. I, I have to go faster for some reason. And the Lord's always like, oh, okay, Lord, forgive me. Right. So we kind of get clean that way in that sense, if I could put it that way. And, and, you know, they had to do something a little more physical and thank the Lord that we're on this side of the cross. Amen. But they had to do something that, again, OK, Lord, I got to get I got to get it back. Right. And you said not to do this. And I ended up going out with them and hanging out with them. And I just, you know, was talking and acting and being like them. And you come on, you feel like, oh, right. You feel unclean, if I could put it in those terms. Right. I've gotta take a shower, well, not a physical shower lord i I gotta get my heart back right I gotta get back in tune with you'cause i you know I'm just touching stuff and being around stuff that's not good, unclean maybe does that you guys follow me on that okay, and, and there was this the whole principle here is that you know if you touch into these lizards, sorry, keep going in verse twenty eight uh, you're washing and clean. And then 29, you should be unclean if you touch these these bugs that are moving on the earth, the mole, the mouse, the lizards and geckos and all those things. To so verse 30, the reptiles and chameleons. And it says, whoever touched them, uh, even when they're dead, shall be unclean until evening. So there's a contamination principle here, right? And if you like to read a little bit more about this, you can talk, read it in the book of uh, Haggai. It's an old small minor prophet right before Matthew. Chapter 2 talks about this principle there but and what it says pretty much is cleanliness or holiness is not transferred by contact so in other words if this is holy or dedicated or set apart for the lord a person or something if it touches something that's not that thing or that person doesn't make the other person or thing holy does that make sense it doesn't do that um on the contrary uh, when we read through these laws uh, sin and dirt and unholiness can be transferred by, by contact. So something that's not holy or, or clean, you touch it, you become unclean. If you're, if you're holy and clean and doing the right thing, as God says in, in that sense, and you touch something that's not, you don't transfer, you know, what you're doing to that rather that is transferred by contact. So in other words, the idea here is it's impossible to bring holiness out of something that's unholy. Does that make sense? Um, but to be unclean can affect the clean what let me wrap it up in saying here is that you know a, an unrighteous man cannot produce righteous works that are acceptable to god you get the idea he can't bring righteousness out of unrighteousness if you add a gallon of dirty water to a gallon of clean water both are dirty Right? They, they, it doesn't become clean because you had a gallon of dirty water and then you add a gallon of clean water, and and all of a sudden that two gallons now is clean. No, it's two gallons of dirty water now. So the point is, a Christian cannot mingle with the world and play with sin, without becoming contaminated. Can I put it in those words? You, you, a Christian cannot mingle with sin and the things of this world and play around with it, and and not have it contaminate you in some sense that's kind of what God's saying here with with this all this food and these animals and these things and then through the end of the chapter verse thirty two um, now it talks about if if items or things uh, things in the kitchen uh, get touched by these things you know you find a mouse or you know some dead little bugs in in this kind of food or this jar or on this clothes or something happens then you know uh you're you're to take care of that you're supposed to take care of that and again we understand you know the basic principle behind that now is that you know you're not going to eat that that's going to make you sick it's it it could spread disease around and we we know that very clearly today And, and again god brings us around don't get involved with that don't touch that don't be a part of that don't have that and it brings you know full circle that again the lord cares about it every aspect of your life even down to the bug in your soup or your pantry <laughs> okay i mean god our heavenly father knows and is concerned about those details just keep that in mind and of course there was great benefit in listening to him without the spread of disease and why does he ask all this? It's summed up here at the last part verse, of chapter 11, verse 44. For I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore consecrate yourselves. Remember, that's to separate yourself. And you shall be holy, for I am holy. Neither shall you defile yourself with any creeping thing that creeps on the earth. For I am the Lord uh, who brings you out, out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. This is the law of all the animals and the birds and every living creature that moves in the waters and every living creature that creeps on the earth to, the, to distinguish between the clean and the unclean and between the animal that may be eaten and the animal that may not be eaten. Listen, I'm the Lord. At the end of the day, I'm the Lord. If you acknowledge me as Lord, I'm the Lord. Well, He's the Lord, whether a person acknowledges it or not. Don't misunderstand me, but... You know, I'm the Lord, and, and, and I'm telling you, this is the way to go. This is what you need to do. Yeah, I know you lived in Egypt. I know you lived in the world. I know you're used to anything goes and whatever pleases you. And, you know, I used to have a, 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 a black Labrador, the most beautiful black Labrador ever, I've ever seen. I saw a lot of them. I've seen a lot of them. And I got them at a pound and uh he was kind of young about one and and good dog smart dog but i'm telling you that dog had it was full of energy so i used to run him i used to be in the car and i used to just let him do laps around the park i mean it was a big park too i would just drive around he was just to tire him out but this dog i'm telling you i knew why he was in the pound after about six months or years because he he stuck his nose to the ground and when he had a scent that, that's the direction he was going and i was moving one time and um uh, get a place and it wasn't finished and so I ended up moving back in with my parents house for about a month while I was getting ready and um, so I had him in the backyard and he literally there lived on a golf course and he, he literally jumped over a six foot fence he jumped on something else and jumped over ran all the, way through the golf course following something and went way up to Pacific Coast Highway and that was the end of him uh, and, and and but you know we can be that way sometimes as people, right? We get we get a scent. We've got something. We're a direction we're going. A thing we want to do. A, a place we're headed. You know, just something in our mind, and we start following it to our own demise. And and God says, "Listen, you're. I don't want you heading that way. I don't want you doing that. I'm the Lord. I I, I know you used to do that in Egypt. You used to just follow your nose and have whatever and do whatever. But now you're mine. I'm take. I took you out of that." Because you, you knew that was empty, hollow, and was killing you. you. You were a slave over there. It was miserable. And I'm going to set you free, and you're going to be mine. But this is what you need to do. Because I'm the Lord. got to trust me. And that's what he's telling him about the diet. And he cares about everything to the little bug that's dying in your pantry. All right. I meant to spend about five minutes on that chapter, and I spent way too long. <laughs> Let's look at chapter 12 here now the, the ch- chapter 11 we saw things that were contaminated uh, you know or sin by contact these external things you know about that the world we live in is surrounded by sin and again now this chapter in 12 the emphasis the eternal is the internal character of sin uh, you know not only do we become sinners by contact but we are sinners by birth and this chapter talks about motherhood and the transmission of sin by an inheritance how do we become sinners we were born that way and god addresses that you know the world thinks innocent virtue goodness is a picture of a young mother holding this sweet little baby chapter 12 paints a little different picture of this baby here it's just the opposite he said there's a young mother holding a precious baby but he's not a picture of innocence and sinlessness <laughs> just as a matter of fact there needs to be a sacrifice for that sin because you just gave birth to another little sinner, and uh you know you you again uh, she would be have to bring that sacrifice and address that um, Right away at birth. And so verse 1 says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, If a woman is conceived and bore a male male child, then she shall be unclean seven days, as the days of her customary impurity she shall be unclean. That's the menstrual cycle, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Verse 3, On the eighth day the flesh of his foreskin he shall be circumcised, and she shall then continue in the blood of her purification thirty-three days. She shall not touch anything any hollow thing nor come into the sanctuary until the days of her purification are fulfilled but if she bears a female child then she should be unclean for two weeks as in her customary impurity and she shall continue in the blood of her purification for 66 days okay what's going on here so if a woman had a baby boy she basically was given 40 days of rest right the circumcision takes place on the 8th day but a total she has 40 days where she's just kind of given total time away from everything and anybody uh, cuz she was unclean now remember you had to wash and all that stuff so so you know she was kept probably pretty much in a in a, in a certain area maybe you know, her own part of the house or something, or her own tent if they were traveling before they got to the to the land there. But she was given that, and that was kind of her thing for 40 days, and then she would go and bring an offering, and, and the time for that cleansing, if it was a female, was double. So she'd pretty much have 80 days off. Um, why? Because if you ever had a girl, you realize... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> It doesn't tell us why God has the purification and those days of rest longer if she has a girl than a boy. It, it doesn't really tell us. And if you can look, there's as many opinions as you, people that you would read their opinion on. Um, some said it had, had to do with this or that. Um, some would say because of the culture, uh, like it is in many parts of the world today, that uh, you know having a male child is very important because... Well, particularly in that society and even in China today, India today, uh, a lot of those uh, Muslim countries having a boy uh, means that, you know, they'll take care of you and they're responsible for you in your old age. And so, you know, they're considered um, uh, very important in the culture. Uh, But uh, and so maybe because if she had a girl, the husband would say, well, uh, you know, okay, we had a girl, let's try for another boy And, and. and, and the Lord just saying, hey, just you know, you need to back off and give her, you know, a few months off before you start any having any more babies. That could be the reason. I don't know. Pick it, take it, or leave it. But that's the bottom line. Is you know, it might temper a overzealous husband who want who wanted to have a boy, and that very well could be. So she's supposed to do that, and then this is. A uh, very appropriate for the season we're in, by the way, verse six, when the days of your purification are fulfilled and she has a son or daughter, she should bring uh, uh, to the priest a lamb for the, of the first year as a burnt offering and a young pigeon and a turtle dove as a sin offering to the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Then he shall offer it before the Lord and make atonement for her and she shall be clean from the flow of her blood. For this is the law of her who has born a male or a female. Now notice in verse eight, if she is not able to bring a lamb, that she may bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons. One is a burnt offering and the other is a sin offering, which we've talked about. So the priest will make atonement for her and she will be clean. Now you remember when Jesus was born and Mary and Joseph go to the temple to do this. Do they bring a lamb? No, they bring a couple of pigeons because the idea was, again, in all these things, God made it so that everybody, rich or Dirt poor, or anywhere in between, you could do these things. If you couldn't bring this, then you could bring this. If you can't bring this, then you could bring this. In this case, everybody could get a couple of doves or pigeons. And so it just gives, gives us one good indication that Mary and Joseph were poor. They couldn't even afford a lamb. That's what you're supposed to bring. But if you're poor, God says, I still want you to come. You still need to come. Now I'm making provision. You can just bring a couple of these things that, that won't cost you anything at all, hardly. And, and so that's what they did. Um, so we just get a little picture of uh, kind of the poverty that Jesus was born into until who came? The Magi, the wise men, right? Because what do they bring? All right, you guys know your Christmas songs. Gold! That's cash, baby! <laughs> Gold! And anyway, there's a whole other reason. I'll just totally get off track here, but you know, uh, why did they bring very you know those spices were very expensive and obviously gold was worth a lot sometimes the spices were worth more than gold okay depending on you know circumstances but the bottom line is they brought very val- valuable things and and uh, uh because what happened as soon as the magi left what did god tell joseph to do yeah pack sand and go to egypt because if not for a couple years so what was the Lord doing, man? He supplied, in my opinion, he supplied at least amount, an, enough for them to get down to Egypt. Joseph, you know, may not, doesn't, probably doesn't even speak the language, never been there, doesn't know what to do. He's with his wife and daughter. How would he work, supporting but God provided, right? And probably enough to provide for the return trip back. And some people even think that it was so much that it, it helped, you know, even part of the ministry time with Jesus. I, I, I don't know if it was that much, but... Um, You know, how some guys can squeak a lot of mileage out of a quarter, right? I don't know. Maybe Joseph was pretty good at that. But the bottom line, the Lord provided. That's totally off subject here. But they did, um, that that certainly did happen. And here, again, God was demonstrating that everybody born in the world needs saving grace. All people need the shed blood of Jesus Christ to pay for the penalty of their sin and even at the very beginning of life here. God was making a very important picture here. Yes, you're bringing a child, and I'm not talking about anything about the joy and the wonder. There's so much the Bible talks about about that. But there's also the recognition that, you know, this one needs to have forgiveness of sin as well from the very beginning. You know, God was picturing that very early on um, in, in anybody's life. All right, chapter 13. Now... Um this is probably the most detailed and accurate ever written uh, account of you know taking care of uh, disease and skin disease, um, particularly leprosy. As you can see, this is an, an incredibly long chapter, and we're certainly not going to you know read it all. Um, oh, by the way, I meant to put that up there and I didn't for the unclean animals. It just gives you a little idea of the pictures of what was clean and what was unclean. But the one I want to show you today, this is um we're going to be talking about skin disease and mostly leprosy. Yeah, it's not the picture you probably wanted to see, but it just gives you some idea of this horrible disease. Uh and one of the things is the nerves are deadened, um, you lose sensitivity, your extremities um can start falling off. It's a pretty it's a it's a pretty horrible way to die. And leprosy, as you know, is often used as a uh, type of sim a uh, type of sin in the Bible, or it's a symbol of sin, and so uh sin deadens a person's senses and um you know sin like leprosy is a horrible disfiguring process, just like that picture is right It takes the beauty of a person, a beautiful person eats away at them destructively it's contagious, it isolates and affects, and it's also uh, you know incurable they can arrest it and stop it, but it's there's no cure for it as we know of right now, and only a miracle can do that. And we'll talk about that. So sin does to a person spiritually what uh, uh, sin does to a person spiritually what leprosy does to a person physically, and so verse one of chapter thirteen says, and the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, when a man has a skin has on the skin of his body a swell scab or bright spot, and it comes to the skin on the skin of his body, like a sore, then he shall be brought to Aaron the priest and one of his sons, uh, or to one of his sons, the priests. And so again, uh, the job of the priest was to identify these things. Now that's important, and you'll probably start to picture some things together from the New Testament just by reading this. But again, there are three types of symptoms, a boil or a scab or a small tumor or bright spot, we'd say. Uh, sometimes are symptoms or signs of early leprosy and a person may have a symptom but not necessarily have leprosy so god doesn't want to instantly say oh you know that's it doesn't want him to jump the gun and do that he goes okay when, when somebody sees some of that and you think okay bring him to the priest he's kind of going to evaluate him and verse 3 says the priest shall examine the sore of the skin of his body and if the hair on the sore has turned white and the sore appears to be deeper than the skin of his body it is a leprous sore then the priests shall examine him and pronounce him unclean. So leprosy was not merely a, a surface eruption. It was supposed to be deeper. It, it was deeper than the skin. Kind of like sin is, right? How it just, it's not just something on the surface. It, it goes deeper into a person. And, uh, and again, it can be harmful to the person. And, and so it goes on to say, you know, if the bright spot is there in verse 4 all the way down through verse 6. Um, you know, it basically says the priest is supposed to give him seven-day quarantine. So he looks at okay, it's more than skin deep. It could be something here. So the the, the priest says, okay, you know what? Let's just set him aside here. Uh, let's just, you know, keep him out of the populace. We don't want things. God didn't want disease spreading. He didn't want things happening. So let's just sit you over here. You're going to be by yourself. Let's give it time. Make it seven days and then... You know, uh, we'll look at it again. And if he's still not quite sure, uh, it says that we can give him another uh, seven days just to make sure. Why? Well, because if he does have it, it's pretty horrible repercussions. They, w- they would have to go as we'll look here in a little bit. But I do want to stop and, and point this out because I think it's important is there was not supposed to be rash or hasty judgment. God is teaching these guys early on. Listen, you look at it, okay? You know, doesn't look right, okay? This doesn't look. Let's just, just, just wait. Let's just see. Let's just give it time. And you look at it again. Oh, it's getting worse, bad, okay? Yeah, well, but maybe it's not as bad. Let's just give it a little bit more time. You know, I, I wonder how much more joy and peace we have in our own life if we treated a lot of things like that, rather than hastily. Oh, this is not right, or this isn't good, or we should, you know, let's give it a little time. Let's just. You know, let's see what the Lord does. I'm not going to jump into this. I'm not going to say this. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to act this way. Lord, I'm going to be patient. I'm just going to give a little time. Let's see what happens. I, uh, you know, I, I like that, that thinking here, because that's what God's telling these guys to do. You know, oh, dude, dude, get away, you know, ooh, you know, or whatever. <laughs> He's not, not doing all that. He's like, no, you know, oh, man, no, no, no. Okay, let's just wait. Let's see. God's in control. Let's be patient. See what, see what, see what comes of all this. And, and again, there's a, a lot of verses here and he gives them very detailed instruction which you can read if, if you'd like and, and tells them, okay, if it looks this way, if it doesn't look this way, it appears this way, it becomes more raw, it becomes more open. If the boil kind of you know, breaks open and spreads, uh, you know, it talks about all of that, really all the way down through verse 44. And he gives them great detail of, you know, uh, an early medical book, we would say, in that sense, how they could diagnose some of these things. And God gives them very specific instructions here and, um, and, and uh, how we should do things. And if, it, if after seven days it kind of goes away, okay, this is what you need to do. He gives them some instructions. If it gets worse, well, verse 45 says this, Now the leper on whom the sore is, his clothes shall be torn and his head bare and shall cover his mustache, and cry, unclean, unclean. He shall be unclean all the days he has the sore. He shall be unclean. He is unclean, and he shall dwell alone, and shall be outside the camp. I mean, basically, we say quarantine. So the guy, this is pretty difficult. You know, lepers weren't allowed to participate in the t- you know with everybody else they were forced to basically rip their clothes and and not look like everybody else you know they're to look raggedy to get people's attention they were to you know you you know not around here so much but if you go like to Japan or Japan's like the the biggest nation of that they they wear those surgical masks if they're not feeling good i mean it's it's really cool right if you're not feeling good you throw on one of those little masks because you don't want to cough or breathe or spread germs to to anybody else and so you know there's it's kind of like that right They cover their mustache the idea is you know you're, you're supposed to cover your mouth so nothing would really come out and then if somebody comes near you're supposed to let them know you're supposed to warn them and can you imagine this they were you know they were sentenced to what live alone without human touch without their family so sad you're, this is what you have. This leprosy is through you, and that's it. You just can't be a part of anything else, and it's going to drive you away, and it's going to isolate you, and and you can't be near your family, and you can't hug anybody or be near your children. I mean, you are you're just isolated, and 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 you had to live uh, apart from everybody else. But just think about that. I mean, just think of the likeness God uses for that same tragedy of sin. You know, doesn't when when a person is just living a life apart from the Lord and sin, you know, it defiles their mind and their heart and their body and everybody it touches. And you know what it does when a person is just headlong into some sinful life? They're just they're lonely, and you know they're living by themselves and they isolate themselves more. And you know they don't care about their children or their job or their what you know they're just they're headlong into doing what they want to do. And and uh, you know that's a it's just such a good illustration. This leprosy of, you know, a life uh, of just living that sin. It just isolates people from everybody. That's what it does. It takes them away from family and friends. And ultimately, the person continues to go down that road from God. And um, that's why this is such a good picture of that. Um, And and again, and um, that's what they had to do. They were kind of set apart there. And then, well, what about something that was on clothes or items? Then, you know, you got some of that on them or someplace there. Well, then verses 47 through 59 pretty much um, tells them what they need to do, if it's on leather or uh, a garment, how they could clean it, or if it couldn't be cleaned, that it's just burned up. And God didn't want that to spread to anybody else. Yeah, but that's, you know, clothes are it's not like us you know you got a closet full of clothes and you know you can get clothes everywhere but back then they maybe had one maybe two sets of clothes maybe at the most and oh, i can't get rid of that oh i want to use them god said no listen <laughs> you don't understand you don't want that stuff you can't get off you need to just need to destroy it get rid of it um burn it up and so he gave the priest instructions so that that wouldn't spread to others and hurt others and that's what he's telling them here. Um, it was a tough thing and, and now what to me the, the amazing thing one knowing all this and knowing about leprosy and even knowing today that it's 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 not cured they they slow it down and they can uh, and they can you know try to move it so it doesn't pass on maybe to other children or other people but it it, it doesn't it doesn't cure them but um here all of chapter 14 is here and it talks about this. It's an amazing thing, because if somebody is cured, which is impossible, it was impossible on that day, but notice it says in verse 1 of chapter 14, when then the Lord said to Moses, this shall be the law of the leper of the day of his cleansing. He should be brought to the priest, and the priest shall go out of the camp, and the priest shall examine him, and indeed if the leprosy, the leper is healed, uh, I'm sorry, if the leprosy is healed in the leper, and then he goes on to give him instruction. Now, this is chapter 14. You know, the only time we know in, in the Bible that anybody was ever cured uh, 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 and, and used this procedure was when Jesus was healing the lepers. I mean, I, uh, it's never once talked about in the scripture uh, of somebody being healed of leprosy and, and going through this procedure in chapter 14 until Jesus came. Now, don't, you, you might be thinking, well, what about, you know, uh, you know Miriam? Because she was given leprosy. We read about that. But Moses prayed for her, and, and she was healed, remember? For that seven days, she got it, and then she was healed. So God did a miraculous thing. It was before this was given. And the only other time in the Old Testament that somebody was cured from leprosy, you might remember, was a, a Syrian, a general. I mean, he was a... Ninja general, they said. He was just an awesome general. I don't know, ninja general. I couldn't think of a. He was a Schwarzkopf or whatever, you know, and a precarious all put together. And, uh, you know, you remember that story where, you know, he has a, a servant girl, his wife does, that's a Jewish lady, and sees that this poor guy's got leprosy, this general who's a, you know, brave and awesome guy, and, and says, hey, you know, there's there, there's God in Israel that can heal <laughs> him. And he's like, what? And he goes to his king, hey, can I go talk to the king in Israel and find out, you know, God that's going to heal me? And you might remember the whole story. He goes, yeah, and take a bunch of stuff, you know, gold and everything you can think of, man, Pack it on a whole train of camels and go over there. And you remember, you know, this whole story. And eventually he gets down to Elisha. And Elisha says, okay, uh, yeah, just go in the Jordan and dip yourself seven times, remember that? And so he goes, well, that river's nasty. You've got better rivers. Why should I do that? And one of his servants said, hey. Is he asking you to do a hard thing? Just, just do it. And he does it, and he's, he's cured, remember? But he's not a Jew. So there wasn't going to the priest, right? He was a Syrian. And so, again, you remember when Jesus healed the lepers, what, what, would, what did he tell them to do every time? He's, yeah, he goes, you guys go to the priest and tell them, because they had to pronounce you as a leopard. So they know you. You're on the list, Right? You go there, look at you. Who are you? Dude, is that you? Ralph? Is that you? Ralph, are you healed? No way. Yeah, Jesus told me to heal. What do you do? Well, I, I don't know, man. We haven't, I, I, I know it's there somewhere, but we've got to pull out that scroll, man. It's that six inches of dust on it or something. And they're reading it. And, why? Why was Jesus doing that? <coughs> well, because, again, he was showing that he was God. Because nobody could cure as impossible. It wasn't, There was no way to cure it. And and you know, Ananias and Caiaphas and all those priests that were around the temple should have known that Jesus was the Messiah, and that's exactly what he was doing. So this whole chapter really, you know, he had to dust off that scroll after fifteen hundred plus years and break it out to see what to do, because probably it was never done. Well, it's never recorded in scripture, let's put it that way. So uh, and that's what he tells them to do, and that's what all this is all about. And Just real quick, let's look at a couple things and then we'll move on from this. But he said, verse 4, Then the priest shall command to take for him who is to be cleansed two living uh, and clean birds, cedar wood, scarlet and hyssop. Scarlet red, you know, uh, cedar wood. Uh, Great pictures of the cross here, by the way, if we wanted to go into a lot of... Uh, a little bit more, but I'll let you think about that. And the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed in the earthen vessel over running water. And as for the living bird, he shall take it, the cedar wood and the scarlet and the hyssop, and dip them uh, and the living bird into the blood of the bird that was killed over the running water and shall sprinkle it seven times on him who uh, uh, who is to be cleansed from the leprosy and shall pronounce him clean and shall let the living bird loose into the open field. And um, so he gives them instructions. Now, what's very unusual and unique about this uh, sacrifice and this way of doing this, this is the only... By the way, all other sacrifices, all other sacrifices were to be made at the altar of the the tabernacle or later the temple. All of them, except for this one. The, The priest had to go out to where... The leprous person lived in his isolation. He had to go out there and perform this out there. And so uh, lots of imagery of Jesus can probably, you know, pops into your mind on that one as well. But this was the only sacrifice where he performed, the only sacrifice was performed outside the temple. And it was performed, you know, where that sick person was isolated. And, And what a great picture, again, we could spend a lot of time talking about this, how, you know, Jesus leaving the 99 and going after the one. Right? There's a lot of people that, but going after the one. God cares about them and their isolation and what's going on. He's aware of it. He wants to make a way. He's doing things. And so I think it's a great picture there. And, and then the rest of it tells him how he's supposed to wash his clothes. And, uh, and then I printed out my notes with a packing slip from Golden State Overnight. You like that? Sorry, I couldn't read my notes. <laughs> I've never done that before. That's a new one somebody put paper back on the printer and uh, anyway so we're supposed to do that and then it talks about the the oil and the uh, and the um, how he's supposed to uh, anoint him with kill the bird anoint him with oil and, and notice that it says uh, just like we did when they anointed the priest in verse 14 on the thumb of his right hand on um, uh, this big toe and his right foot and it says that to begin he's supposed to offer and, and offer some oil and anoint him in verse 17. Uh, to dip in his right ear and to be cleansed uh, in his right hand and his right foot again all part of that ritual um, again symbolizing the whole body now belongs to the lord head hands feet you know he's going to listen to the word of god he's going to work for god's glory and he's going to walk in god's way it's just a great picture of that blood applied oil so like right, the blood of sacrifice the oil of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit oil, representing the Holy Spirit over the whole guy, symbolizing symbolizing that power of the Holy Spirit to do God's will, and um, you know, doing it in that order as well. Just pretty amazing picture here. By the way, it was just very similar to how God consecrated and set apart the priests. And this is a this is a big thing. It was a big picture for these guys, and that's why it was so important when when Jesus did that offering uh, and and set that up. And then, uh, again, verse 33 it just tells us that basically when you go into the land of Canaan, verse 34 says, and I give you possessions, and there's a plague, and there's, you know, in the house of a possession, and somebody comes and says, hey, "There's, there you know, seems to be some plague in the house, or something growing there, some kind of mold, something that's not right. The priest is supposed to go there and, and empty everything out uh, first, because if... Um, makes the house unclean then all your stuff's in there and you wouldn't have anything so he said okay move all that stuff out let's look examine the house move all the things out of there and we'll look at those later but let's look at the house and then he's supposed to, to look at that and if it's got certain colors on the wall then he's just okay let's let's just see what happens let's close the door nobody go in there let's see if it spreads see if it gets worse if there's you know something funky going on here check it out give it a week and, um, again, boy, if I just gave things time to see what the Lord would have done and would have developed, just give it a week, Dylan. Don't jump into it. <laughs> I know that's kind of a theme I'm, re- you know, just referring to again. But, again, just let's give it a week. Sometimes, you know, I just tell people, you know, they want to make a decision, this and that. Just, I just say, just give it a week. Just give it a couple weeks. Just, just don't do that yet. You know, particularly when, uh, you know, there's a death um you know I, I i've been around some sad guys young in their 30s and stuff with families dying and different things and and there's just this tendency for uh, those that are behind just to want to you know do something and i was no just you know give it at least sometimes i'll say you know 6 months but that that kind of freaks them sometimes I say, let's just give it a, a month sometimes i'll say just give, let's give it a week and let's let's look at it next week then we'll talk to him. In a week. let's just give it another week. I said, let's just give it a, let's just give it six months. Let's not do anything for six, and then let's see. That might be the great thing. But let's see how you feel and what the Lord's saying in six months. And and um, again, I, I bring that up because I think that's so important. Sometimes is, you know, we move ahead. Sometimes some of us move a little too slow. I'm not addressing that right now. But some of us just, you know, want to do things and react. And the Lord just give it time. Just think if we would have given some of these decisions in our life big things that we did stuff we think about. If we had just given it a little bit of time and not jumped into a relationship or into this thing or whatever and if we didn't, man, we would have oh if I had just give it a time I wouldn't have done it, you know. But I was caught up in the moment and I did it and look what happened, right? And uh that's kind of what he's saying here. Just let's give it time, close it up and then, you know, you go back there and check it out. And that was verses thirty nine all the way down, pretty much through uh fifty six and uh, it, it pretty much says if the house was infected and it is growing and getting worse, then everything has got to be destroyed. It's just going to spread. It's not going to stop at that place. It's going to go to the next place and the next place. And God says, "Listen, we need to stop it." Uh, you know, there wasn't going to be uh, uh, there was there. there we, we just need to eliminate that. It, we don't want that to spread, right? We don't want that. We don't want the thing that's going to hurt somebody to spread. And if you're, if you're a parent, you kind of know that's light in your children because, you know, all of a sudden you see them talking, acting like you, and you're thinking, wow, I do that. <laughs> I don't want that to spread. <laughs> I don't have a good reputation. That's not a good thing to, you know, They boy, they picked that up for me. And uh, and my big deal is, um, well, there's probably a lot of big deals. Just don't ask my wife. But one of the big deals is, uh, you know, I can be just the biggest smart aleck sometimes, right? Um, uh, and, and I just will just make some cracky joke, and I see Ethan totally doing that all the time. You know, somebody says something, and he's just like, bam, you just hit, you know, you, just, <laughs> you throw a whammer out there. And I go, oh, man, that's one of those things that should have been, you know, I don't want that to spread, right? You know what I mean? That's one of those things that should have been condemned in, in my life, and, Lord, why do I let that keep going on? And, and, and you know, that's a great picture of that here. It's just, I don't want certain <laughs> things just, we don't want to spread, and we say, "Oh Lord, you know, help us and have mercy." And He's so faithful, but um, you know that's kind of what's going on here. He's doing that. Well, does it, you want to get up and dance anybody with that music, or is it just me? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> all right, chapter fifteen. Let's just look at this real quick. I promise, five minutes. Just give me five minutes of your time here. This is just uh, uh, speaks of hygiene and other important principles in regarding to being clean and unclean. Um, the Jews had to think of the consequences of their action, even if they are normal or God-given desires. The Lord wanted to make sure that they understood that he was involved in everything and is concerned, even things that he has ordained and that he has brought to pass. He wants to be involved. One, the, one of the biggest things I think you could call this chapter, if you want to sum it up, is hygiene. It's About 4,000 years ahead of its time, certainly. And, uh, you know, we practice all that cleanliness now. But remember, God was moving this people out of Egypt and they had been loose living and doing all sorts of stuff. And the Lord sent them to his place to Canaan. And those people are even worse than what they were in Egypt. And he's reminding them, hey, listen, I'm preparing you in this desert in this time while we're meeting together because you're my people. You've been exposed back there and there's a lot of sin ahead too. Uh, you know, in the direction where I'm taking you going in line of Canaan. It's even worse than what was in Egypt. But I want you to know that you're different, and and I'm involved and I care about everything. And so, again, the first thing he speaks about, verse seven, or verse two, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, uh, when a man has a discharge of his body, is unclean, and uh, you know anything that happens, it's it's unclean. Verse four, every bed is unclean on which he uh, the discharge lies, and where he sits shall be unclean, and. And, and if that happens, and somebody touches that, or it's him, he's supposed to wash his clothes. Verse five, uh, and bathe in water, and be unclean till evening. And then, you know, again, if he sits on anything, or anybody sits on it, end of verse six, he's to bathe in water and be unclean till evening. Wash his clothes. Uh, he who touches the body who, uh, of him who's, who's discharged, his clothes shall be washed and bathe in water, and he's unclean till evening. You get that picture with this, right? And, and then. Again, you know, if if anybody you like this, if a person who has a discharge spits on him who's clean, <laughs> so somebody comes up and or I don't know, maybe like say it, don't spray it, kind of thing. I, I don't know how that all works out. But the idea was, you, you know, that this person, you know, there's. Something going on. There's some separation. There's something going on there, and, and you're to be aware of it. You know, if you ride on a saddle, if you touch anything that they had, you're supposed to wash your clothes, uh, bathe in water, and be clean till evening. Your actions matter. What you touch uh, matters. What you do matters. How you interact with people matters. You know, and and wash, and and you you realize that these things, you know, affect people. These things affect you, affect people around you, your actions, if I if I could put it that way. And then verse sixteen, well, twelve through eighteen really talks about, uh, you know, sexual intercourse, right? If a Jewish couple had to consider God as well as their own desires, uh, and this helps sanctify their relationship. It talks about sexual intercourse when those those yes. God talks about that. Yes, it's in the Bible. God ordained it. But again, uh they had to consider God as well as their own desires and their actions. That's not that's a cool thing. God's okay with it. God created it. Okay? But he, you know, he, he wanted to know that you know, I think it just kept God in the center, the Heavenly Father in the center of everything. Yeah, even sex. Yes, I've said it. <laughs> and 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 it even covers in verse nineteen, basically what we would say today is a woman's menstrual cycle, and the bottom line is she was not to be she she was falling under the unclean category for for seven days. Now I don't know about you, but if you know uh, you've been around gal or you gals, I should not 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 address you, but can you imagine if nobody bugged you for seven days, you'd be like. Whoo! You know, you know, and, and some, you know, gals get it worse than others and they're, they're miserable for a few days and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And they have to lay down and all that. It's, it's not, this wasn't a curse, right? This is probably a very good thing in the lives of women that nobody could be around. Nobody want to touch because then they have to wash their clothes, walk, take a bath, and, and then they couldn't touch anything until evening. So, you know, I, I think it was a blessing, but yet God was... Um, uh, concerned about that now if a woman um, was bleeding for a a long period of time you can imagine this was disastrous so if it wasn't a normal menstrual cycle uh, and and she was like that woman that saw jesus on his way to uh, the jewish ruler's house to help heal his 12 year old daughter that was sick and here's a woman that's been sick for 12 years this guy jairus had a daughter who was 12 years old and joyed and blessed at 12 years she's sick he's wants jesus to heal amen good thing but here's a woman on the other side of the coin who'd been sick for 12 years and, and she had this uh, bloody discharge in some way it doesn't give us the details but that made her unclean that can you imagine the isolation there was for that uh, 12 years and, and miserable and she kind of made her way through the crowd now, right, technically, she's making everybody unclean she's touching as she's going through the crowd, right? And what's she going to do? She's going to touch Jesus. Well, wait a minute. That makes him unclean, right? Right? That We've been reading the rules here, kind of skimming through them at least at, at, here. And so, you know, uh, she touched, you know, Jesus. And then what did Jesus do? He graciously turns and heals her and, and gives her this whole new life that she had only dreamed of. For the last twelve years, so you know, I think just in a real nutshell, you can see how powerful that that was um, to that woman. And of course, then he raises Jairus's daughter from the dead. But um, anyway, the Lord is down into the details of our lives, from the bugs in the kitchen shelves to the sexual relations to the you know stuff we don't talk about we don't talk about sex and menstrual cycle in church do we i, I don't know god does but I, you know what i mean it's not something you like to talk about but necessarily but here god is he's interested in all that and, and he he deals with all that and then verses 28 through 30 is you know if there was a bleeding of some period of time and uh you know it stopped later on then there was a okay there was this way of you know, moving her back into that that fellowship, if you would, and then verse thirty-one, I think, kind of sums it up. Thus, you shall separate the children of Israel from their uncleanness, lest they die in their uncleanness when they defile my tabernacle that is among them. So, you know, I think that's the summary here. Is that, you know, as we go through the Old Testament farther and farther, and we see God saying, "Well, you didn't do this, and you didn't do this, and you didn't do this." and how it was just kind of destroying them as a nation and as a people. And they had their ups and downs, don't misunderstand me, but you know there was a lot more downs than ups and and he said, you know, it's just it's just going to separate me and you and I don't want that. And that's why I'm giving you this. So I'm laying these things down and there's many benefits for obeying the Lord and, and and uh a lot of them we just don't know at the time. We don't understand what he's doing, but that's where faith comes in. Amen. Let's pray. Father, again, Lord, I know it was a lot, and we covered a lot, Father, but uh, so much, even in this book, uh, that has application that you have shown us tonight. So fill us, our hearts and our minds with your word and your love, what you have for us. Help us to be people that embrace that we're yours, and we're separate. We're going to be different, and we're certainly not going to be like everybody else, not in a mean way, not in a stuck-up kind of way, but just in a way that shows that who we belong to. We thank you. We love you. Bless your people, for we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 May the Lord bless you guys.